Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. We are going to continue with our series on dimensions of prayers. All right, let's start from Psalm 20, verse 1 to 5. Psalm 20, verse 1 to 5. Dimensions of prayer. Um, subtitled, Prayer on the Altar. Prayer on the Altar. That's the subtitle. Dimensions of Prayer. Okay. Psalm 20, verse 1 to 5. So we're going to look at NKJV first. Then we're going to look at NLT after that. Alright, so this is Psalm 20, verse 1 to 5. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. <laughs> May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your bond sacrifice. May grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of the Lord, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Okay, shall we look at New Living Translation, please? Thank you. In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May he grant your heart's desires. May he grant your heart's desires. May he grant your heart's desires. May all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear your victory. May we shout for joy when we hear your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Dimensions of prayer, subtitled prayer at the altar. You see, quickly, let's lay some foundations here, some theological foundations that will help all of us. The Bible is full of letters and spirits. If you're writing, please write it down. I know you know this, but write it down to, to remind yourself. The Bible is full of what? Letters and what's the second thing? Spirit. Okay. Second Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. If, if you start from verse 5. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 to 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who has also made us able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So here, Paul the apostle, stay with me, is distinguishing our engagement with the Bible. He's breaking it into two categories. He's saying that it is possible to engage with the Bible and engage with only one dimension called letters. 
And he says it's also possible to engage with another dimension of the Bible called spirit. So, in other words, it's the same Bible, same Bible, same Bible. One person might read it and only get letters. Another person reads it and gets what? Spirit. Now, Jesus puts it this way. Jesus tells us that instead of Jesus calling it letters and spirits, he calls it parables and mysteries. It's the same thing. So Jesus Christ tells us in the book of Luke chapter 8 and verse 10, Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 8 and verse 10, Jesus puts it this way. He says, and he said, to you it has been given, come and ask somebody, to know what is that now? The mysteries of the kingdom of God. Mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is given to them in what? Parables. So you see Jesus also classifying this into two categories. The first category is the category called mysteries. The second category is the category called what? Thank you very much. Parables. Now, Jesus is telling us that you can interface with the word of God. For you to know that what Jesus is talking about is the word of God. The next verse tells us that in verse 11. It says, and the seed is the word. So when we interact with the word of God, you can either interact with the parables, also known as the stories, stories in the Bible, or you can also interact through the stories into the mysteries. You and I, are not going, we're not going to get into the stories, into the mysteries, without going through the stories. The goal is to go through the stories. Somebody say through the stories. That's right. So we go through the stories into the mysteries. Now, please hear me clearly. What is the mystery? According to the Bible, what is the mystery? Now, a mystery in the Bible is a truth, truth that is hidden for you, not hidden from you. It's not hidden from you. It is hidden for you, a Christian. First Corinthians chapter 5, chapter 2, pardon me, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, For we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. You see that now? Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay? But notice that God ordained it for our glory. So God hid it from them, but God hid it for us. But for them that are outside, they can't see it. Listen to me. That's why somebody can pick the Bible, go to the library, and read this thing and study it for years. Write a thesis, a 10,000-page thesis on it. Get a PhD on, uh, on uh, soteriology, the, the doctrine of salvation, and never get saved and go to hell. Because the letter kills it is the spirit that gives life. Just stay with me. Listen, in most Commonwealth countries, I know this for sure when I was living in England, and I'm sure the same system happens in Canada here. There's something that is called the Privy Council. Privy Council. So, for example, now, if she's a leader of a, a political party, and um, we are all you know, in that political party, if she wins an election, she's going to be the next Prime Minister of Canada, but she's never, never, never held any position in the cabinet of Canada or anything that involves the secrets, the national secrets of Canada. 
before she will ever take her position, before all of you, you look like a minister of finance. <laughs> before you will ever take your position as a minister of finance, and we all take our positions, they will first have to initiate us into what is called the Privy Council, or initiate, I'm using the word initiate, but swear us in. They will swear you in into the Privy Council, and that, that's Privy Council, the goal of it is that you are now going to be exposed to the national secrets of Canada, of which somebody like me now, a Canadian citizen by the grace of God, walking on the street, I don't have rights to, I won't see. But now you're a member of the Privy Council, you'll be privy to some things. That's exactly what happens to you and I at salvation. Once you give your life to Jesus, you have now signed off, you have been initiated into the privy council of God, the ecclesia of God, the ones that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you following this now? So when you're reading your Bible, ask the chairman of the privy council, also known as the Holy Spirit, to take you beyond the stories into are you with me this morning? So when you hand your Bible, don't just go to the Bible and say, ah, and your wife calls you, I'm reading the book of Luke. That's my devotion this morning. And you read the book of Luke, and you come out of there. What do you get out of the book of Luke? Well, you know, uh, some uh, Jesus, there was an angel visited Mary. Angel visited Mary. Okay. So, but I uh, know that angel visited Mary, and guess what? It was in six months. And when we do quiz in church, you know, Bible study squeeze, and we do Kahoot. You know, today they do Kahoot and all of this stuff. Nice, nice stuff, right? Yeah, uh, and we do Kahoot, and we ask, in what month did the angel visit Mary? Ah, six months. So, uh, what was the name of the angel that visited Mary? Ah, Gabriel. Uh, what was the city? In what city? Ah, Nazareth. <laughs> Look at Kahoot. Say, oh, Pule is winning the, is winning the Kahoot. <laughs> But please, you have to understand. That is good. Bible, no Bible knowledge is lost. But please understand. I want to help you. That is the story. That is not the mystery. What you know there right there is what? Story, not the mystery. You need to go now. You start from the story level, but you now need to go into the mystery. So, but to go into the mystery, let me say this to you. This is, I'm saying all of this because it's very important. To go into the mystery, listen carefully. Your pastor cannot take you into the mystery. Nobody can take you into the mystery except the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, however, walking through your pastor or walking through your team lead or any other individual can take you into a mystery. Which is what happens when we preach. But, as a human being, nobody can take you to the mystery. Because nobody wrote the Bible except the Holy Spirit. All, only men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. All scripture was given by the inspiration of God. The inspiration is not the excitement, it's not the motivation of God. But the, God breathed into them and they breathed out. That's how the scripture came about. Are you following what I'm saying? This laying a good foundation for you. Any day you pick your Bible as a born-again Christian, when you know you're, you know you're born again, Father, I thank you that I'm born again. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has saved me. Please receive my thanks in Jesus' name for the salvation of my soul. You pick the book. Holy Spirit, you wrote this book. 
there's no way I can connect with the mysteries without you. Spirit of the living God, lead me into the mysteries today. In Jesus' name. Then you have the attitude of a serious student. You don't, you don't say that prayer. And I say, Holy Spirit, wake up. I'm coming. Let me do tea. You go and make tea. You bring biscuits. Then you forget, oh, the wrong biscuits, crackers. Let me go and get the next biscuit. You know, by that time, Holy Spirit is gone. Now that class has resumed after you've said the prayer, then you, you behave like a serious student. You start going through the stories, then the Holy Spirit says, stop there. You know, you just know this particular student, you just finding that you know he wants to begin to bring mysteries to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the Bible is full of mysteries. It's all mysteries. And it is the mysteries, when we understand them, that enables us to gain mastery. The mysteries, listen, the mysteries are the things that are set up as the laws in the spirit realm that you and I can engage and change things in the natural realm. Please stay with me. Stay with me. Let me give you an example. You know, people talk about faith, faith, faith. Ah, some people say, well, I have faith. Oh, I, have, I really have faith. They say, oh, that brother, that sister has faith. Oh, that brother has faith. She's just been living by faith. But, you see, faith is a mystery. It's a mystery. Faith is not something you can get with head knowledge. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. Holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. So faith is a mystery. Faith is a mystery delivered to you and I to humiliate the devil and obtain what belongs to us. For by faith, through faith, they subdued kingdoms, quenched the violence of fire, and shut the mouth of lions. So this faith then is a mystery. Am I in the right church this morning? So let's talk about prayer. Prayer is a mystery. That's why many of us, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying many of us have struggled and have had prayer failures in many areas of our lives. And I'm saying us, I'm not condemning you, I'm not saying you, I'm not pointing the finger at you, I'm saying us, all of us. We've been through situations, you'll be a liar, and I'll be a liar if I say that I understand everything about prayer, or that I have not prayed some prayers that I did not see answers the way I thought I would see answers. I'll be a liar. Okay? But I've got to let you know something. First thing you've got to understand is that prayer is a mystery. Someone say mystery. Yeah. In other words, the more you look at it from the outside, the more it doesn't make sense. But the more you look at it from the inside with the benefit of the Holy Spirit, the more it makes sense. So let's, 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 let's lay down this prayer. Because I, I'm laying this foundation because prayer at the altar, if you are not careful to understand the mystery, if you only understand the story, it will become religion to you. And it will produce nothing. That's why people say, I, so when you hear people say, oh, what the pastor said in church, or what that uh, other man said in church, or I tried it, it didn't work. Those were people that only had the story. They didn't hear the mystery. When you hear the mystery, when you know the mystery, it, ha it has to work. Because there's an assurance that comes with the mystery. So, so stay with me. Prayer is not one-dimensional. Let me start from there. It is not one-dimensional. Prayer is multi-dimensional. Please write it down. Prayer is multi-dimensional. Not one-dimensional. It is what? Multi-dimensional. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 tells us that. Please stay with me. This is going to be good. 
I'm going to give you an assignment. So you better stay with me. There's going to be an exam this, at the end of this sermon. <laughs> Praying always with, with what? All prayer. So Paul is telling us here that, listen guys, there's something called all prayer and supplication. Then he now adds something, one this phrase, in the spirit, which Pentecostals and Charismatics has taken to mean in tongues. It goes beyond tongues. I'll teach on that later on another day. Praying in the spirit is not just praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is part of it, but that's not, not all of it. Okay. But let's, all prayer. So prayer is multidimensional. When many people say, I have prayed about it, or I'm praying about it, what they're talking about is the prayer of petition. Oh, Father, I don't have a job, and you know I don't have a job. Please, Lord, God, you can see and I'm, my bills are piling up. Please, Lord, give me a job, oh God. Your word says, ask, and it shall be given. And, they, you know, some of them even, even quote the scripture. And, you know, you know, seek, it shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So, Father, give me this job, oh God, in Jesus' name. Fantastic prayer. Word-based prayer, because you quoted the word. But that's one-dimensional. Unfortunately, everything to you to have a job here on earth in the practical manifestation petition alone might not handle it that's why you have to engage other dimensions of prayer listen carefully to me when you pray you engage one two dimensions of prayer and it looks like you're not getting results it does not mean god does not want to answer that prayer please hear me carefully can somebody get me a paper bible please i just want to do an illustration a paper Bible, paper, no more small, paper Bible. Everything is phone, phone. I need. Ah, Ogapo. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You have a lot of mysteries inside this. Can I take. <laughs> I know Ogapo will always have a paper Bible. Now, listen carefully. You see, anything you find inside this book any area of your life if you can find a promise listen carefully to what i'm about to say now if you can find a promise in this book god is already committed i'm going to repeat that concerning any area of your life son if you can find a at least the promises a a don't forget the bible says no word of god shall go unfulfilled so it is a word. If you can find a just one promise to govern that area in this book, God has already committed himself. So let me put it this way. God pre-committed himself to you and I. But that commitment is written here. If it is not here, then God is not committed. But if you find it here, it's committed. The fact that the answer is not manifesting practically does not mean God changed his mind. Neither does he change his commitment. Please, I need you to understand this. This is what gives us confidence in prayer. If it is here, it is his will. If it is his will, he's ready to do it. The fact that you and I and all of us, myself, we've prayed certain things that we didn't see the manifestation and we got, it's okay, we'll leave it to God. But, you know, we get, I'm sure you understand that we get more and more knowledgeable about these things every day. Is that okay? Yeah. So, based on what I'm knowing today now, if it is here, God is already committed. I don't have to. The fact that I'm not seeing it, 
I should not challenge the commitment of God. What I should do is to figure out by the Holy Spirit what dimensions of prayer should I apply. Are you following me now, son? So, uh, this one, this book says, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 10, Say to the righteous, it shall be well with you. Okay? It shall eat the fruit. Give me the NLT. It shall eat, New Living Translation, it shall eat the fruit. Okay? They shall enjoy the reward with end. So if you're going to enjoy the reward of if end, that means you have to be earning. Eh? It's saying here that you're going to enjoy your salary, your wages, or your investment proceeds. It means you must be earning. So this scripture does not leave any room for any one of us to be unemployed. Okay? I'm not saying unemployment is not possible for a Christian. I'm saying it does not, this one does not leave any room. He said you will, he's telling us that not only will you enjoy it, he said you will enjoy the rich reward you have earned. Okay? Now, so this scripture is telling you and I that God's will is for us to earn. <sighs> Am I in the right church? So if it is here now, I know that statistics, Statistics Canada, the data, economic data shows that unemployment rate is this number. I know that people are not getting jobs. This book says my case is different. This book has told, is telling me the commitment of God to my employment. God has committed himself to my employment before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic. Is that, are, we, are we still together here? Okay, so this book has committed himself. So the question now is, how am I going to get Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10 eh, to happen before the 10th of next month? I'm just using that as an example. How do I get it? So I come before God. Father, this is what your word says. That uh, uh, tell the godly that it shall be well with them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have had. Oh God, this is what your word says. Father, I pray that you will give me rich reward. You will help me to earn. Oh God, in the name of Jesus. And if you're a Pentecostal, Okay, you pray in Jesus' name, amen. Then you go and sit by your computer. You send out all your resumes. You do all of that stuff. No interviews. Then after a series of time, only one interview. You go for the interview, first interview, second interview, disappointment. You send an email, they say, we regret. You've even, you've even taken a step of faith. After you've done the prayer, you're going to buy a shirt, laid out your shirt, laid out your stuff that you're going to wear on the first day of work, but it didn't work out. Then you say, I don't know if this thing is working. No, you only work one dimension of prayer. You are not wrong. You are right, but you're not completely right. You see, we don't, you know, we don't fail exams because we know nothing. We fail exams because we don't know enough. I know none of you have ever failed any exam. You know, none of you, nobody has ever failed any exam. You know, but I know that for many people, mathematics is usually a challenge. And usually it's simpler when you're starting with arithmetic. Then when you get to somewhere along the line, they introduce this very dangerous demon called simultaneous equation. And he has a senior brother. You know, the Bible says there are seven more wicked spirits. This, there's the seven more wicked spirits, quadratic equation. Very dangerous principality. When they now introduce these things and you now start seeing X, Y, and they now tell you these things are called variables. They're like, where? <laughs> it still gets worse, but I won't tell you the other ones. There's some demons that live in the bottom of hell. They call them DYDX. <laughs> 
those ones are extremely dangerous. But let, 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 let's, let's leave those ones. You know, let's leave those ones. Those teachers are very wicked. You know, so 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 you start dealing with some material situation. You don't know. You just know that. You just eventually you find out that usually when the teacher teaches us x is two, y is three, something like that. It must be one of those two. So you just go to the bottom of the thing and just like x is two, y is three. <laughs> Hallelujah. And somehow you know, oh, this could help me here. And somehow on that particular stomatological situation, X happens to be y, two, and Y is three. And you get there, and the teacher says, you know, puts the comment and says, your answer is right, but you're walking, show your walkings. <laughs> now, now, I'm going somewhere with this illustration. The teacher says, show your walkings. And you're happy, you say, well, ah, at least I got it right. So, but what is happening is this is what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If you can't show the walkings, your success cannot be repeatable. That's the point I'm trying to make. Can't be repeatable. So, whatever time you have ever gotten answer to any prayer you have ever prayed, you better master what dimensions you pray that brought it about. Because God is not unpredictable. Neither is God irrational. So, there must be, God is the God of principles, there must be what is Holy Spirit? I stumbled into this thing. I don't know if what I did is right. Show me what has worked. And I'm, I'm telling you a true life story what happened to us with, when we started doing this thing called Open Heavens. And the first um, template Holy Spirit gave me on how we're going to pray for it the first year, 10 years ago, I applied that template and it worked. Second time, it worked. Third time, it worked. So I stopped. I said, Holy Spirit. Show me what is working in this whole template and what is not working. I want to know. So that, because that's what makes it repeatable and transferable. Are you following this now? So, then you find out, oh, then you get more mysteries that what you receive does not automatically mean you will have it. When you pray, you have received. But for you to have it here now, you need to do some warfare. So you rebook and all of that. You, you get, and I've thought on that. Today I want to now teach you this mystery called the mystery of prayer on the altar. But prayer on the altar contains about five mysteries. That's why I took time to explain. First mystery it contains, okay, the first mystery contained in the prayer of altar, are you still with me? Okay. The first mystery it contains is the mystery of altar. And I will not go into that again. I spoke about that two days ago on Friday. If you are joining us for the first time, check it out online on our YouTube page. It's called The Mystery of Altars. That's the first mystery you need to know. The second mystery that is part of it is the mystery of sacrifice. Okay? The third, the third mystery you need to know about this prayer that makes this prayer at the altar work is the mystery of substitution. The mystery of substitution. And the fourth one is the mystery of faith. Okay, so I put four of them here. Okay? So, number one, mystery of altars. Number two, mystery of sacrifice. What's number three? Mystery of substitution. And number four, mystery of faith. Remember, I told you faith is a mystery, 1 Timothy 3 9. Now, watch this now. So, prayer, so when I come now, and I pray the prayer of the altar, prayer on the altar, somebody's watching me, this young man here is watching me, do this, and I'm praying this now, concerning long-term unemployment. 
I've not had a job for a long time. Now I got this revelation and I'm praying prayer at the altar. And this man hears me say these very, very simple things and I got the result. Then two weeks later, the man says, you know what, uh, I think what is making it happen is when you come here and you come and say the prayer here, make sure you stand exactly here. That is what is called tradition. Where you don't have the mysteries but you do the same thing, it's what is called tradition. Are you still with me? So let me explain just one or two of these mysteries. Mystery of faith, I can't go into depth of that. You know, the mystery of altar, I've already spoken to you to some degree about that. The mystery of sacrifice. Let's talk about that and the mystery of maybe the mystery of substitution. Let's talk about the mystery of sacrifice. What makes prayer at the altar work is this. Listen carefully. Sacrifice is one of the clearest invitations to the spirit world to act in the natural world. Let me say that again. Sacrifice is one of the clearest indications or invitations to the spirit world for them to act in the natural world. So, have you ever, when you were young, I know some of you now, you play video games, you play games on your iPad, you play all kinds of things on your phone, but when we were young, we, we didn't have video games. Well, some people had. Don't let me say we didn't have. Some people, <laughs> some people were in our own house, we didn't have. But we have a TV. So we used to watch this TV. And in the TV, one of the things that used to show, give us, they show, show, I don't know if these people still, they still do this this way now, is this thing called wrestling. And we used to watch WWF. We used to like it. There was Mighty Eagle, there was Mil Mas Mascaras, and all of these people. It was good. What part I wanted to mention to you is the part where you have a tag team, where you have two people on the team and two people also on the, on the opponent, and one stays outside of the ring, fighting another opponent that stays in the ring. When the, man, the opponent is beating somebody on my own team, all the person needs to do is to put out their hand, as long as I can tap their hand, it gives me the legitimacy to now step into the ring. No matter how much I see them beat him, I'm going to be touched, follow me now, with their infirmities as the high priest. But I can't jump into the ring because it will be legal. Because they will disqualify both of us. That explains why God can't just jump in for many people. He's touched with our infirmities, but they cannot be moved until our faith touches his hand. You understand this now? So when they're beating you, usually what happens is that when they're beating an opponent, when they beat somebody inside the ring, Usually the person tries to poof and begins to fight back. Begins to fight back. They start beating them, beating them. So eventually it occurs to the person that, you know, I have a senior partner. So the person wants to try and go to the senior partner. And the opponent knows that I can't allow him. He pulls him back and beats him a bit more. But for somebody like you and I that understands from the very beginning that for by strength shall no man prevail. Because you and I cannot prevail against the devil in our own human strength. So once we see the opponent and say, um, you know, round one, start, and they hit the bell. Be, instead of me fighting, just quickly go back here. <laughs> and he said, but that's not allowed. It's allowed. He said, you've not fought. They, I've started fighting. So instead of you fighting, that's what you go back. It's called a retreat. Are you hearing what I'm saying, somebody? You retreat and you tap his hand and you, so you come out here and take your place of rest, your Sabbath rest. 
for we have labored now to enter our rest. You now allow Jesus to be there. And now what you now do is that you're cheering him up. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. You're cheering him up. <laughs> Let him deal. Let him deal with it now. Are you following now? This is the mystery now. So what sacrifice does is that, the mystery of sacrifice is that it is something God has put together to exercise our faith to touch the hand of God. Somebody say, let's, is that in scripture? Absolutely. So let's look at it. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. Let's do this quickly. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. Let's start from verse 3. Or let's start from verse 1, please. Pardon me. Adam and Eve knew his wife and conceived and bought Cain and have acquired a man from the Lord. Keep going, please. She bought again, this time a brother, his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, Cain brought an offering of fruits of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord responded to Abel. Why? Because God is irrational and discriminatory? Well, let's find out from Scripture, shall we? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews 11, verse 4 tells us, by faith, somebody say by faith. That's right. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And he obtained a witness. He was able to touch God's hand. Now, now, please, you've got to understand this. Hebrews chapter 11, theologically, is what captures all of the different examples of how people use their faith. The first example is about sacrifice. It's this story. And the Bible says, Abel's sacrifice was an act of faith that he gave. And he was able to touch God so much so that the Bible says that he was speaking even after he was dead. Now, the way the Holy Spirit showed this to me is this. The way the Holy Spirit showed me is this. You need to get people to speak on your behalf where you can't speak. Okay? Where you will not be. You need to get people to speak on your behalf, favorably on your behalf. The fastest way to do that is to get a sacrifice to speak for you where you can't reach. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is omnipresent. You've got to have the omnipresent God speak where he can be present, which he can be present everywhere. And sacrifice. You know, it is sacrifice that is speaking for you and I in hell. That's why we're not going there. The sacrifice is watching hell and watching the people coming to hell and saying, no, you cannot go. You cannot go there because sacrifice is speaking on your behalf. It's the sacrifice of Christ because you have accepted him. Sacrifice speaks for you where you can't speak. So I'm, I'm, I'm going through a challenge. I don't even know how I'm going to get through this. This thing is sacrifice speaks for you in the courts of heaven. It's a mystery of sacrifice. Okay? That's what Psalm 20 is saying, and we'll get to that in a few minutes as I tie this together. Mystery of substitution. I just gave you a little bit about mystery of sacrifice. Let me jump quickly to mystery of substitution. Mystery of substitution indicates that whatever punishment you deserve, you are still going to get the punishment. Just wait before you jump to the conclusion. Whatever punishment you deserve, whatever punishment I deserve, 
that punishment will not be suspended. Neither will it be cancelled. In this part of the world, we do that. They give people suspended sentence and all of that. In the court of heaven, there is no suspended sentence. That punishment must be carried out. But substitution now says, please listen carefully to the mystery of substitution. Substitution now says that if somebody else chooses voluntarily of their own accord to bear that punishment for you, then you can take the position that that person had before that punishment starts. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? So when the court of heaven stands up and says, you are listen, you don't, you are sentenced to 25 years in, in jail. It cannot be suspended. But just before you report, somebody says, before the court is dismissed, somebody says, excuse me, sir, I'm willing to uh, take this position. So you really say, okay, yeah. Then the person steps in and says, of my own cause, nobody pushed me to do this. For my own self, I lay it down. Nobody takes it from me. I have power to, that's why it was very important. I have power to lay, he has to say that. So I voluntarily, I lay it down. So the judge asks, are you sure? He said, I'm very, very, very sure. This is, nobody has pushed me. This is my personal decision. Then the judge says, okay, Mr. Barabbas, then you go ahead and take his position in freedom. You are free. So you are now discharged and acquitted, which in scripture, theologically, is called justification. Just as if I didn't do it. You see, that's the mystery of substitution. So are you following now? So the death you and I should have died, Christ died it for us. He was slaughtered, basically, for us. He became a curse for us. That's how the curse can be broken in our own life. He didn't break because he became a curse. Are you hearing me now? So you can now legally, leg, somebody say legally. So you can now say legally, Christ took my sin. He became sin for me. The reason why you and I are not going to hell is because Jesus went there for you and I. Because he became sin and had to step into Hades for us. Okay? So when he went to hell for you and I, so that you and I can go to the place he's coming from, also known as heaven. Is this making sense to you? So this is the theological concept of, of, of substitution. And this is what will bring sacrifice. So when I bring a sacrifice to God, I'm saying to God, ah, ah, this thing I'm bringing, this thing is, is very valuable to me. Ah, it's very valuable to me. What I'm going through, I don't have a job, I don't have this, it's, you know, it's a serious situation. But this thing I'm bringing, ah, it's very valuable to me. And I laid on the altar. The mystery of substitution kicks in there and says, if you have laid something valuable down of your own volition, I have to now do something valuable. Because this is not an obligation you have to do. You hear what I'm, you, you got it, my son? You don't have to do this. Okay? You don't have to. You don't have to. But now that you have chosen to do it, though you don't have to, and nobody forced you, and you have chosen to bring this here now, and God can now say, it triggers something also in God, the mystery of substitution. And God says, okay, what I don't have to, because I'm not obliged to also, I now have to step in and do. Because your last job, 
you fought them there, you resigned, and all of that, you left. I don't have to. Or normally, you should be taught a lesson now. But because of this sacrifice now, I have to step in for you. He now steps in for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? That's what the Bible says. If a ransom can be found, if a, if a ransom can be found, this is, a very, this is a very important concept for us to understand why, what makes the prayer at the altar work. What makes the prayer at the altar work, this mystery of substitution, the mystery of sacrifice, and faith, because by faith, Abel offered. By faith, not by tradition, not by force. By what? Not by force. Not by force. Not, well, what can we do? This is what they told us to do. Forget it, you're wasting your time. That's by force. By faith! Abel did. Many things that many people are going through, they don't understand the power of sacrifice on the altar. And Satan has seen to it that self-centeredness and selfishness will make people cry. Because they don't understand how to release what is in them so that they can get what is with God. <sighs> sacrifice. Sacrifice. So let's, let's, let's explore this a little bit more. I'm still going to teach in detail about this mystery of substitution because it's a big deal. Big deal. It is the one key thing. If you see anybody, and I mean anybody in the kingdom of God, that is very confident in God. Not self-confidence because of their heritage or because of what they have. But confident in God. They understand substitution. Because substitution is in six dimensions, but I don't need to share that with you right now. I'll get into that some other time. They understand substitution. And that is what gives the confidence. That's why, you, so if somebody uh, is out there and say, uh, you know, so here I am, I'm on the bus. They're taking all of us prisoners to work in a labor farm. My hands are chained, my legs are chained, and they're taking all of us prisoners to go and work. You know, we have taskmasters that are there with us, brandishing their guns, going back and forth, saying all manner of things to us. You will never make it again in life, criminal. You will never see the sun and all of that. Then suddenly somebody steps into the bus and says, um, prisoner 1045678, he's free now. I said, why? He said, let me take his place. And takes my place on the bus. And I take off that cloth, take off the prisoner cloth, give him the cloth. He wears it. He, what he's wearing, he gives to me. I wear it. And I step on him. And um, it happens that I jump into the car that he was driving because Holy Spirit brought him. So Holy Spirit is not taking me. And as we're going, we pass by where the prisoners are now walking. And I'm not hearing the master, the tax master that was in the bus, shouting, all prisoners, come here. All prisoners, it's time to stand here now. Don't have been hearing that for 25 years. And when I hear that, immediately I know that sound. I normally respond. But this time around, He's saying that, and I'm not responding. The man that was my cellmate is looking at me and saying, Hey, where are you going? If they catch you, if they catch you, because they think they will catch me, and I'm, going, I'm, and I'm doing this. Because when the guard of the prisoners walks into among the prisoners and does a head count, the head count is complete. I, I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying right now. There were 20 prisoners on the bus. When he does a head count, nobody's missing because somebody has taken my place. That is what Jesus did for you. So that's what gives you the confidence that Satan, you are a liar. Somebody took my place. Therefore, now there is no condemnation. 
It frees you. So when Satan brings something like this, shut up, Satan. What do you know? If you know more than this, you will not be where you are. <laughs> so let's take a look again from where we started. Are you being blessed by this? Psalm 20, verse 1 to 5. Let's start there. Let's go back there. Psalm 20, verse 1 to 5. So there's this concept here that he introduced us to called the God of Jacob. Why did you use the God of Jacob? These are questions you have to ask. Why not the God of Abraham? Why not, may the Lord answer in the day of trouble. May Yahweh defend you. May Jehovah defend you. Okay, if you want to use the God of somebody, why not use his grandfather? May the God of Abraham or the God of, why the God of Jacob? There are many reasons for this, but one of the reasons God wanted to show us is that here he wants to speak about sacrifice on the altar. And Jacob is the one person in the Bible that had an unusual experience when God opened up his eyes at the altar. Genesis 28, verse 10 to 16. Genesis 28 and verse 10 to 16. He had an unusual encounter at the altar. Jump to verse 12 and 13. There were angels ascending and descending on that, on that ladder. And God was at the top of the ladder. Because he had this unusual experience at the altar, God now started speaking to us about something called the day of trouble. This thing called the day of trouble, hear me, hear me, please, hear me. Christians cannot pray away the day. But Christians can change the trouble. So in other words, every Christian will go through trials. Every Christian will go through difficulties. Every Christian will go through Jesus Christ said, in this world, you will have tribulations. But in that, but he didn't stop there. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. So how do I overcome based on Jesus having overcome? Are you still with me? So let's look at Psalm 29. It gives us a blueprint. Stay with me. This is the answer somebody has been praying for. In Psalm 20, verse 1 to 5, there are certain things you will notice there. The first thing you will notice is that the God of Jacob answers. It says he answers you. In that same day you call upon him, he answers you. When does he answer you? He, in the day of trouble, not in the week, not in the month, not in the years after, but in the what? In the day there's going to be an answer. So that's the first thing. Please write that down. He answers. Number two, he accepts sacrifices on that day. He accepts sacrifice. May he accept your sacrifice. He accepts the sacrifice. When you stand by the altar to pray, he accepts the sacrifice you have brought. Number three, he grants your heart desires. You see that in verse four. He grants your heart desires. So you come with a sacrifice and you come with a heart desire. He accepts the sacrifice and grants the desires. Is this making sense? Then he sends help to you. When the Bible uses the word, may he send you help from the sanctuary. I told you on Friday that an altar can be a building. Did I not tell you that? And I showed you from scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 from verse 12 to 16. So he's sending you help from that same altar where you sacrificed. Help is coming. In other words, he doesn't have to go back to heaven to send you help. Right there on that day, he answers you and arranges help for you. Oh, I pray that God will arrange help for somebody here. 
And friends, when God arranges help for you, you know, one thing you have to know about God is this. When, when man speaks, when God speaks, let's, let's, because of time, let me just say, when God speaks, everything hears, including animate and inanimate. Everything hears. Everything hears. As a matter of fact, let me say this to you. All of creation, every part of God's creation, animate, inanimate, it doesn't matter. They are constantly listening for the voice of God. Constantly. That's what the Bible says, even man. That's what the Bible says, today, if you will hear his voice. They're constantly, man is the only one that has the capacity to harden his heart because of free will that God gave us. But everything is listening. This building right now, this concrete floor, is waiting to hear an instruction from God. So Jeremiah gave it. Jeremiah said, Oh, art, oh, art, hear the word of Lego because the earth was waiting to hear. Everything is waiting to hear. That's why God can say, I've commanded the ravens, the ravens' heart. I spoke to the fish, Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, to take you to the shore, the fish heart. When Jesus said to Peter, Come on the water, the water heart. And he knows that the human being that is coming is going to sink normally. So the water said, I can't allow that. God has spoken. I can't come and do this. Shh. He had, to, he, had, he had to strengthen himself. So he had. So when God sends you help and says, help her, everything has had. So on the day you are going for the interview, suddenly you realize that the roads are clear. You get to the bus, the bus you get to the place, the receptionist is smiling at you already. Oh, I like you. Oh, how are you? Oh, I like your hairstyle. The, the reception is already happy with you because they've had, the interviewers have had that they should help you. Oh, I pray right now. I speak on behalf of the Almighty God now. I sense it in my spirit to say, May God send you help in Jesus' name. I speak into this new week you're going into. May the week yield help to you in the name of Jesus Christ. So God answers, He accepts your sacrifices, He grants your heart's desire. Listen carefully, He sends you help. Then finally, you now rejoice. You rejoice. You rejoice. Now, let's do this quickly then. So, where is an altar? Do I have to go to a particular place as an altar? Just hear me clearly. Stay with me. I'm going to tie this up now. An effective altar can either, number one, be personal, and number two, it could be corporate. Corporate altar. It could be what? Number one, personal, and number two, it could be what? So let's look at examples. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Personal altar. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel, when the decree was written concerning Daniel, that, you know, Nobody should pray for 30 days and all of that. Lions then was being threatened by lions then. Daniel went into his upper room with his windows towards uh, Jerusalem. And look at the next thing he said. Knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed, gave thanks to God, as his custom was since early days. Remember what I told you on, Sun, on, on Friday? An altar is a place where consistency, consistency, the place where he was since early days, since early days, since he was a teenager, when he got to Babylon, he had carved that out for himself. Consistency, so that was his altar. He went there. 
He went there. He went to pray there. That's important. Because that's the gate into the realm of the Spirit. You could also be corporate. First um, Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 to 17. Talking about Hannah. Hannah went to Shiloh and on the corporate altar, on the corporate altar of Shiloh, the Bible says Eli, the priest, was hanging out somewhere there. On that corporate altar, that's where she got Samuel. She prayed there. Is anybody still in the house? So the altar could be either one, number one, personal, or it could number two. So which one is better? None. Both of them are equal. What makes the difference is your faith. If you have the faith for your personal altar, do it. Sometimes if you feel you don't have the faith for it, you, you, you prefer, because you, you can't get anything beyond your faith. So if you feel that, you know what you want to do on the corporate altar like, like this now, why not? Why not? But if you feel that, you know what, I have a place, a corner where I do my stuff. You know, I pray, God, I pray, and there's a consistency that's been going on there. To the day of the sacrifice is not the day to start. There must have been consistency before then. So it's not that like I want to do a sacrifice and you look at your whole room. Let me go to that corner. This is the first time you're going to be praying in that, praying at that time. There's no consistency. Atmosphere is not open. There's no, that is not yet the gate of heaven. Remember the mystery of altars. Are you, are you, are you understanding this now? That's how this thing works. So if you have, why not? Then you lay it out. Okay? All right. So having said all of this now, how do you do the prayer at the altar? I'm sure you want to know. All right. That is very good. Should we continue next week Sunday? <laughs> no, no. I can't try it today. If I try that and I say we'll continue Sunday, I don't know what kind of prayer you will pray against me while I'm going. So this is what I'm going to do. Please, at this point, you don't need to write. And the reason why you don't need to write is that it's going to be on the app immediately after the service and it's going to be on social media platforms. So it will be all there for you. So you, you won't need to write. Okay? So I'm just going to demonstrate it for you. All right. Uh, that's it. Okay. So you're going to see here now it's what looks like prayer points. Okay? But you can call them steps. Whatever you want to call them. Uh, but it's going to be on the, just watch. It's going to be on the, uh, on the app and on social media platform for you immediately after the service. So this is what you do. So, number one, the prayer at the altar, you come to God, let's assume I'm coming to God now on the corporate altar now. I have my sacrifice, and the sacrifice can be anything. The most important thing about sacrifice, the mystery of sacrifice, is that it's something valuable to you. Having offered it to God, it must be useful to man. Okay? So, it's valuable to you. You've offered it to God, but it must be useful to, to man. Either useful to an institution or useful to a person. Is it making sense? Okay. So, you take what is valuable to you. You stand at the altar. So, as I stand on the altar right now, as very good Bible scholars... What's the best way to assure that God's presence will be here? Thank you, worship. 
So you worship God genuinely. That's the first thing. Somebody said, for how long? Until you sense in your spirit that you know God is there. You worship God. Now, don't get me wrong. God is there. Omnipresence. But you need this manifest presence. That's what you need. So you worship God. Somebody said, what kind of song do I have to sing? No, 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 no. You, whatever song you want to sing. You know? And it should not be the song you are singing for the first time, that God is hearing that song for the first time. <laughs> it should be something you are already you know, doing. So you come in there, you worship God genuinely. Genuinely. You worship God genuinely. And when you worship God genuinely, you know like, okay, I can sense it now. For some of you, if you've been a worshiper normally, it could be five minutes, it could be ten minutes, it could be fifteen minutes. Some of you, it could be thirty minutes. Whatever. You just worship. Make sense? Okay. Then the second thing you do, you thank him. And this is the connection that you need to make. This is a critical connection because if you don't make this connection, it will be works. It will not be grace. Because it has to be, an, it has to be grace. Nothing offends God more than you and I thinking we can earn anything from him. So, you have to connect whatever you're doing, which is an exercise of your own faith, into his own grace. That's humility. Is this making sense now? This man is using, let's say, iPhone 13 now. And um, I don't, I, it's hard that I don't have my phone. And he says, come and get the phone. He said, come and get the phone. I didn't even know he had He said, come and get the phone. So here I am, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking 200, 200 meters, 300 meters, 400 meters. Ah, I've tried to, ah, see the work I've done today. The man is offended. You walked a little bit, you said you walked. What about me? I'm giving you the phone. You didn't, you didn't think you even needed the phone. So that's why God gets offended when we think it works. So we, 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 we are doing it, but as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm calling, I'm saying, thank you very much for calling me to come. Thank you for the strength you've given me to even be able to approach you. Thank you for initiating the fact that you have the phone. You see that? I'm appreciating and talking about his grace. But if I don't walk towards him, I'm not showing faith. Is, it is this too complicated? So you thank him for the sacrifice of Jesus, not for the body of Christ. Not for the whole world. He is. That is true. But you personalize it to yourself. Make sense? All right. After you've done that, you know, then... This is very important. Father, I've come to this altar. It's important for me personally because of the revelation I have about this. It says, in the day of trouble. So I like, usually like to say today because in the day of trouble. So I've come to this altar today. I've not come to this altar today to exchange this for your benefit. Are you, here? Are you following me now? I've not come to Take, decide you should bring his own. Give me my job now. No, I'm trying to buy it. That works. No, I've come to appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus for me. That's what I've come to do. Okay, now see, you're still acknowledging grace now. At, at this point, if you want to sing, you can sing. Okay, you can sing any song that talks about any, any song. Personally, for me, at this point, I will sing songs that has to do with appreciating the Lamb of God that was slain for me. Are you following now? That's what I do at this point. That's personal for me. But you can sing any song you want to sing. If you want to sing, go sing, go sing, go. That's okay. Okay. God hears it. Okay. Then this is the key point, critical point. Father, 
I bring my sacrifice here today to appreciate. Now you're going to connect this now with the sacrifice of Jesus to appreciate the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus as an act of my faith. So what you are doing here right now is an act of your own faith. So when you say that, what he's telling God is that the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus is an act of his grace. This one you have in your own hand is an act of your faith. And it takes faith to have access into his grace. So his grace, Jesus Christ died for me. That's the ultimate sacrifice. That's what I actually need. But I can't access it without faith. So I bring this now because Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. So offering a sacrifice is considered by God as an act of faith. So as I bring this now, it's an act of my faith to have access into his own act of grace the sacrifice of Jesus, my own sacrifice, faith, sacrifice of Jesus, grace, faith into grace. This is in Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Clear. Romans 5, 2. Put it on the screen. Quickly. Through whom we also have access by faith into his grace. So this is my faith now into his grace. So I bring my sacrifice here today to appreciate the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus as an act of my faith. Alright? So when you've done that, then number four is you ask him to accept it. Why is this important? Because this shows that it is voluntary on your part. This is a very important part. It shows that this sacrifice is completely voluntary. Yeah? Because if, if this man says, ah, the phone, and I'm not saying, I'm not I'm not even sure if he wants to give it to me anymore. But if he says, no, 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 take it, take it. No, take it, take it now. I'm assured that he really wants to give it to me. So, because, you see, the sacrifice is valuable to you. So God has to be sure it's voluntary on your part. Then you're not complaining. Okay? Then you ask him to accept it. Then he accepts the sacrifice because he says he's going to accept it in Psalm 20. Then you now ask for what you want. So by the time you're asking what you want, you see all the steps you've taken. So you're not asking about the father, this chronic unemployment, I want you to change my story. Give me a rewarding career. Give me gainful employment. I want to be at the point where I can be clearing out the old because of the new. According to your word, Leviticus 26 verse 10. I want, your word says the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof. The world and those that dwell in it, I know you created everywhere. And you are the one that chose men to be in, create the different boundaries of the countries according to the book of Acts. Father, I'm here right now. And these people are trying to throw me out of the land that you created. What I want, my father, is to give me the residency. If you give me this residence of this country, I know it's within your, it's something you can do for all things are possible with you. I don't know how, but that does not mean you don't know how. So, Lord, you ask what you want. This request can be many. It just happens that for somebody like me, and this is me now, you don't have to take this. The request can be many. Just like someone like me, because the way my own brain works, I, I, I like to just take it a single matter. I take the single most pressing issue at that time to God. I take it to God, then I act on that. 
Alright, so what's the next thing I do then? Number seven. I thank him. Because remember, he will answer you when? In the day. He will answer you when? In the day. Not in the coming weeks. So you thank him because he has accepted the sacrifice. You are living with your request being granted. So you thank him for granting your request. And to show that you really believe, you praise him from your heart. That's it. That's the final one. You praise him and you praise him. Now, let me now tell you what happens quickly. Immediately, come sacrifice. I showed you a diagram here last two weeks. Sacrifice touches heaven and touches the heavenlies. It touches the two. It touches heaven, where God is, because you're giving it to God. Then the heavenlies, what it does is that it breaks the power of God. Now, let, so let, let, me, let, me, let me explain it to you. Do I have another five minutes? Can I explain this to you? So let's go, to, let's go back to Genesis chapter 26. Why at the altar is important. Genesis 26 verse 12. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody is breaking through. Very major breakthrough this week. Somebody is having a very, very major breakthrough this week. No, Genesis 28 verse 12. Pardon me. Genesis 28 verse 12. Quickly, let's do this. Quick. So a ladder was set up. The top reached up to heaven. Keep going, please. And the angels of God were doing what? Please, I'm not trying to challenge your intelligence. Please, just forgive me. We're trying to meditate here now. Does ascending mean to go up? Please, does ascending mean to go up? Okay. So let's use the word going up. Does descending mean to come down? Okay. So angels were going up and coming down. One more time. Angels were going up and for you to understand that this is a law. It's not a mistake. In John 1.51, Jesus Christ said it exactly the same way. John 1.51. Angels of God ascending and descending. So they were going up and exact same thing. So he did not change it. So it's not a mistake. Now this is what, I want, what God showed me. This is what God showed me. Pastor when the angels are going up, they are going up to show him. This is what we brought from him. You know, he's the one at the top of the ladder. Are you hearing me now? He's the one at the top of the ladder. Genesis 26, verse 12. Keep going. And the Lord stood above it, above the ladder. When the angels ascend, they ascend with the smoke of your own sacrifice to God. When they descend, they descend with the answer. So, to prove it to you scripturally, Matthew 28 verse 2 says, there was an earthquake and an angel descended from Kama Oh, Oh God. An angel did what? And what did the angel do? Rolled back and did what? Sat on it. And what happened? What happened? Keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. The gods, the demons, they shook for fear. Why did the, this Bible, this place just says descending and didn't use the word ascending. Why did the angels descend? Because what was in the grave was the sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ 
has been taken to heaven. So the angel had to show up immediately and said, no, you can't lock this man in again. Nobody can take away this stone, but I have to come in here and roll away this stone. Sacrifice has gone up. Angel has to come down. Roll away the stone. Remember, sir, that Mary Magdalene said when she was going to look at the grave, she said, who will roll away the stone? It was a stone that man cannot roll away. But angel rolled away the stone on the platform of sacrifice. Friends, when you get to a point in life when you know man cannot solve your problem, when the doctor said there's nothing they can do, when the lawyer said, you know what, do you have relatives in Nigeria, you might have to start thinking of going back. That's, you are, that, now you're now at the point of who will roll away the stone. You now have to get an angel to descend. How do you get the angel to descend? Get them to ascend. But they're not going to ascend until there is a sacrifice. Stand on your feet like a champion. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.